Welcome, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. Share just to give you some context. Uh, John chapter 16 and verse 33, this is Jesus speaking. It says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. No matter what the world throws at us, sorrows, trials, tribulations, heartbreak, Jesus says, I will give you peace. Take peace in this, in the words that I'm speaking to you. I have overcome the world. Everything you're going through right now, I have already overcome. And we can overcome through Jesus. Man, that's good. Thank you, Zach, for sharing that. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about authority. Authority. Ashley, can you bring me my big, awesome dictionary right there on the table? Thank you, sweetheart. We're going to be talking about authority. What do you guys think of when I say the word authority? Megan, go ahead. What, what do you think of? All right. So uh, something gives you power to do something. All right. What else? When I say authority, what, what, what comes to mind? What comes to your mind? Jamo. The law. Yeah, like officers. Absolutely. Authorities. Sure. What else? Anything else? Trey? What's that? Oh, what do you mean by that? No, that's all right. No, I... I I think I can know where you're coming from. I just want to make sure before I... St- what do you mean by a statement? Oh, all right. Okay, so like a, like, a, like a command to do something or like a... Okay, all right, good. Morgan? Something, someone that gets you in trouble? All right. So if you run afoul of the authorities, you can get in trouble? Yeah, Megan? The what now? Okay, so authority not necessarily as a person, but as a thing, as a power. Yeah, absolutely. Audrey, are you good at dictionaries? Can you look up the word authority for me in there? Raj? (laughs) Yes, yes, it does. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about authority, okay? We are going to look at what has authority over us. Oh, I'm so sorry, Gracie. Thank you, Megan. Well, you got to speak up. Yeah, no, what's up? Leadership. Very good. Okay, leadership. Being in a position of leadership gives you an amount of authority. Excellent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Authority. Now, authority, we've had awesome examples here. That's fantastic. Now, authority is something that you can give to somebody, right? Right? As youth director of Living Word Family Church, I have a measure of authority because I'm on staff and because I'm head over this particular area or department, right? Okay. Found it? All right, what's the first definition of authority? Read it really loud. Actually, come here, stand up front. You don't want, are, are you like super nervous like you're going to pass out? No, that's, read it. if you can read it really loud from your chair, I'll let you sit in your chair and read it. That is very good. Did you guys hear that? No, that's all right. Great job. Thank you very much. 
So, did you guys catch that? Now I, gotta find, I wanna read it again so I can read it in the microphone and get it on the recording. Authority, legal power or a right to command or to act as the authority of a prince over subjects and of parents over children. Power to rule to sway. So you guys get a kind of a little bit of better understanding of what it means to have authority or what authority is. Now, as youth director, I have a measure of authority in this room tonight, okay? And I appreciate you guys for respecting that measure of authority. Now, my youth leaders, I have given them, as youth director, I have given my youth leaders a measure of authority, right? So they have a measure of authority to kind of say, hey, pick up that trash, or hey, don't do this, or don't say that, or hey, come over here, we need to have a little chat about how you're acting. You see what I'm saying? They have a measure of authority so they can, they can kind of talk to you guys. The reason we have that is for your benefit, right? Authority is in place for our benefit. Now, Trey, come here. If I were to say, hey, I gotta run a quick errand, Trey's in charge. It's a scary thought I know. But if I say, Trey, I'm giving you my authority over this particular room tonight and everybody in it, I gotta go, I'll be right back. So now I have just given my authority, temporarily I've given my authority to Trey, right? So basically I'm saying what Trey says and does for this moment or for this shorter period of time, it's as if I'm saying it or doing it, okay? Do you see how I gave him my authority for that time? All right, you can have a seat. So he would be, if I left, he would be in charge, right? Do we have any older siblings in here? Raise your hand if you're an older sibling, if you have younger siblings, brothers and sisters. Okay. Have you ever been left at home alone in charge? Yeah? How well does that go? Pretty good? Awesome. Well, your brother's pretty cool. You have another little sister? Is she pretty cool too then? Yeah. <laughs> so have you ever been left at home in charge of younger siblings and it did not go well? What happens, why does it not go well? Okay, so they're not respecting the authority your parents gave you, right? So ultimately, now granted, there's other, now this can get, we can get pretty complex in here, right? Because what if you're abusing that authority? What if you say, Madison, I told you to go clean the toilets now? What if you're abusing that authority? If your parents didn't give you the, didn't say, hey, why don't you organize a cleanup session, okay? If you're abusing that authority, then we've got some complexity we're building into it here. But by and large, if your siblings aren't listening to you, they're not respecting the authority of your parents gave you, and overall, who are they really disrespecting? Your parents, that's exactly right. They're expecting the authority above you because that's who gave you. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm getting to a point here, I promise, and we're going to build off of this in the weeks to come, so I want you to listen. When somebody tells you the Bible says this, the Bible says that, some of the reactions that if you tell somebody that or somebody tells you that, some of the reactions that you get is, I don't care. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe what the Bible has to say. When we look in the Bible, this is called the Word of God. Why is it called the Word of God? Does anybody know? What's that? Sorry, did somebody say something? Yeah, you did. I see you say something. What did you say? 
Yeah, yeah, it's the Word of God. This is inspired by God, and we're going to look at a couple passages tonight that show us that. This is inspired by God. Now, I know you guys haven't had any kind of uh, logic class or anything like that, and some of you in high school, maybe you've talked about logic and reasoning and things like that in some of your classes. If I say, the Bible says, to, the Bible says this, and you say, why? And I say, because the Bible says it. What's the, does anybody know what that's called? It's called circular reasoning, all right? The Bible says that it is inspired by God. And you say, okay, how do you believe that the Bible is inspired by God? Because the Bible says it. It can be very easy to get into circular reasoning. Here is where we get out of that. Here's why we know that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Because it's not just the Bible that says it. Because there's evidence outside of the Bible that shows us that it is, in fact, the inspired word of God. But first, why do we need it? Why do we need the word of God? Because this is instruction and wisdom from God on how to live our lives. This is how we see the person and the character of God. It's through his word, right? If you meet somebody for the first time, you've never ever had a chance to talk to them or know anything about them, are you going to automatically trust everything that they tell you? Probably not. You might have a little bit harder time, unless you're like me, and I'm very trusting of people, including the gentleman that comes to my door and says, this will clean anything, and I spend 40 bucks and buy it, and it cleans nothing. Remember that, babe? Ashley gave me such a hard time for buying that bottle of cleaner. Hey, when he used it, it worked. I don't know what was in his bottle, but it's not what was in my bottle. Maybe he gave me the wrong bottle. I don't know. I tend to be a little bit more trusting of people, unfortunately, sometimes. And sometimes that's good. I don't know. Morgan? And it did work? So he bought it? That is very smart. Yeah, see, see, your dad's a business guy. He's smart. He knows. Uh, me, on the other hand, I'm just like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll buy that from you. Um, it was, a, you know, supporting inner city youth. I have no idea. I spent 40 bucks, and it's still sitting in our sink. Underneath our sink, I should say. Anyway, so how do we trust somebody? It's when we talk to them, when we spend time with them, when we get to know them. This is what God's Word helps us to do. It helps us to build a relationship with God. How else do we build a relationship with God? Through prayer, through worship. These are all ways that we do this. As we do that, we will begin to understand more and more and more of the truth and trustworthiness of God's Word. Okay? God's Word is so important. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Why is God's Word important? Why do we want it to have authority over our lives? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, and sorry I didn't give these to you, Kip. Don't feel like you've got to toss them out. 2 Timothy chapter, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Wait, 
What are you talking about? The Bible's there to tell me what I'm doing wrong? Yes, yes it is. Just like your parents will sometimes correct you. Just like I had a little correction at the beginning of service about maybe some attitudes and behaviors, right? Sometimes correction doesn't feel good, but it's necessary, right? Isaiah, have your parents ever corrected you? I'm sure lots of, probably on a daily basis, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Did anybody have, what's that? Oh, sorry, the verse is 2 Timothy 3.16. It makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. Why? Because God wants to smack us around and ridicule us? No, because he wants us to grow and mature and get better. As believers, as children of God, if you, have, if you are saved, if you have prayed that prayer of salvation and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you belong to God and God belongs to you. And because you belong to God, God wants to mold you, to mature you, and to grow you to be more like Jesus. Right? And correction is part of that. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And the verse 17 says, God uses it to prepare, prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Uses what? His word. God's word has authority. As believers, God's word has authority over our lives. So when we read the Ten Commandments, or when we read the commandments that Jesus gave to love your neighbor as yourself, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, that's a command. That's something we are being told to do. So if we read in God's word something to do and we do the opposite, who are we disrespecting? We're going against God. We're disrespecting God himself because this word is breathed and inspired by God. God's word is infallible, which means there is no fault found in his word. Now, you may get some goofy translations of the Bible out there. I, I like the New Living Translation, and I've heard a couple people have found a couple little quirks with how they... Uh, uh, translate a couple different Greek words or whatever. I like the New Living Translation. Some people swear by the New King James. That's what I came up under. I came up on the New King James because that's what Pastor Scott teaches out of. My first study Bible was New King James study Bible. In fact, this is the same study Bible, but a New Living Translation, Spirit-filled life study Bible. I love this. Got all kinds of awesome stuff in here. Uh, so there might be some goofy translations out there like the Message Bible. It's really cool to read, and it puts some things in some neat perspective, but it's not a, a Bible that you want to study and take verbatim because it's more of a paraphrase type of Bible. So like that, stuff like that. But when we see the Word of God in a good translation of the Word, we need to listen carefully. We need to know that that Word of God has authority over our lives. The Word carries authority because it was given by God. And God carries authority. Why? Because he created it all. He is the creator, the author of life itself. Right? 
If you were to build something with your bare hands on a piece of land that you own, who has authority over that building, that home? It would be you, wouldn't it? Trey, if you built a building with your bare hands, number one, props, well done, good job. Number two, you have authority over that property and over that home, right? Because you built it. God built all of creation. Every atom of matter in this universe, God spoke it into existence. And if you want to argue with me about that, you're absolutely more than welcome to, uh, but you're not going to win. The universe, oh my gosh, sometimes we're going to have to show that. Kip, you remember that Louis Giglio video that we showed like years ago? Yes. Oh my gosh. He talks about the universe and how just insanely vast the universe is and how incredible the universe is. And then uh, in a subsequent, I don't remember if it was like, was it a multi-parts? Or was this all in one video message we watched? I thought it was multi-parts. Anyway, he talks about the complexity of even like every cell every, every in our bodies. It's absolutely, yeah, it's absolutely incredible how we are even held together. And then one summer we did a video series, um, Professor Stephen Meyer teaching on, do you remember that? Teaching on the fact that, you know, a lot of people like to say that we're here by random chance. A series of random chances brought us to where we're at today. And Dr. Stephen Meyer proved and showed through nature, not just the Word of God. I mean, he's arguing from a biblical viewpoint, but he's not using the Bible necessarily to argue his points. He's using facts and nature and science, right? Believe the science, please. He's arguing this, that the, is literally impossible for a random chance to bring about a living, breathing human being such as yourself. Absolutely incredible. We have a verse in the Bible, and I didn't look it up, I apologize, that basically says, believe whatever you want. Nature itself cries out, there is a creator. You cannot look at the complexity of nature and argue anything else from any certainty at all. Random chance didn't do this. God did this. Whoo, man. God is the creator of all things, which gives him the ultimate authority, right? So when we see and know and understand that God spoke, this is his word, this has to carry authority in our lives. This has to carry weight in our lives. Let's look real quick at 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter is towards the end of your New Testament. Does anybody in here need a study Bible, like a really good study Bible? Reading it on your phone is awesome, but if you really want something to actually turn the pages and look through and look something up and have commentary that's awesome, yeah, when you want one, I'm, I will get you one. Anybody else want a study Bible? One taker? All right, Gavin, catch me after service. Catch me outside, how about that? And I will get you a study Bible. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to, a couple people were kind of dozing off. I had to wake you up. Um, catch me afterwards and I will get you one. I've got, I should have an extra one in my office. If not, I will order you one. Uh, having a good study Bible is awesome. Where, where was my point? Where, oh, yes, uh, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, I want you to look in verse 20, 2 Peter 1 verse 20, starting in verse 20, above all, 
you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the prophets in the Old Testament, right? What is he saying here? All their prophecies, those prophets we read about in the Old Testament, this did not come from their own understanding or from human initiative. This means they didn't come up with it on their own. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So we see even in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was moving on those prophets to speak the messages and prophecies that they spoke to the children of Israel, to the children of God. And then in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I've got mine marked, so I'm cheating a little bit since you guys are using your phones anyway. I've got to try to keep up. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 9. I've got a few verses here. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. <clears throat> that is what scriptures say, mean when they say, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's an awesome verse in and of itself. But it was to us, the Israelites, the children of God, the Jews, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. So when we talk about praying and we talk about speaking, uh, speaking in tongues and being filled with the Holy Spirit, do you realize that that connects you with God on a more deep and intimate level than you could ever be connected to God any other way? Absolutely incredible. When we link our spirit up to God's, when we are saved, born again, spirit-filled, we're able to operate on a whole nother level. And we have received, verse 12, and we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, but God's Spirit. So we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Verse 13, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. couple more verses. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And why do we have the mind of Christ? Because we belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to us. We are one with Christ when we are saved and born again. When we are saved and born again, we put ourselves voluntarily under the authority of the Word of God. All right? This means that when we see and understand just what Jesus did for us and how badly we needed Him, how badly we needed the salvation that he offered and how badly we need a relationship with God. When we do that, we put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. This book was not written because somebody sat down one night and said, hey, I've got a cool story I want to share and maybe I'll make a religion out of it. Didn't happen. This wasn't a manuscript that was written by one person 
that ended up being taken and deified and changed and made into some religion. Do you realize that this book is written over thousands of years? The odds of one work written by how many authors? 30, 40 authors? I can't remember. Between the prophets in the Old Testament, King David, his son Solomon, Job, Abraham, Moses. Then we have, what's that? Jesus. Then we have, in the New Testament, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see the writings of some of the disciples. We see the, uh, the letters from Paul. Okay? All these different people over such a long period of time to come up with something that fits so well together in which no contradiction can be found. And trust me, if there was a contradiction to be found, a real contradiction, it would have been found and broadcast everywhere. There is no contradiction in the Word of God. That, do you realize how impossible that is? When you're talking about putting together authors over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and that's just the Old Testament, there's a 500-year gap between the Old and New Testament. Did you guys know that? It's close to 500 years. Which means, between the Old Testament, between this part of the Bible, which already spans hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, between this part of the Bible and this part of the Bible, there is a 500-year gap where God said nothing. And then we pick it up here with the birth of Christ. And God spoke. That's pretty incredible that that matches up so well under that span of time with that many authors. Do you realize that even in a series of books written by one author who plans out everything as best they possibly can, you could probably find quite a few quirks and quite a few errors and quite a few things in there, stuff that doesn't match up? Hey, wait, in the first book, this character was this, but now they're this. Well, why is that? Well, because in the number of years, the author decided that that character was going to change, or maybe he liked something different. Well, it's too late to change the first book, so they're going to kind of hope you don't notice and change it in the second or third or the fourth. But right, right, do you see where I'm coming from? That's one author over just a number of years, over less than a lifetime. We're talking about numerous authors over hundreds and hundreds of years, and you can't find a contradiction in this book, in the Word of God. Why? Because it is literally inspired and breathed by God. God inspired the writers of the Bible, of the Old Testament and the New. He inspired the prophets. He inspired the kings. He inspired everyone who put pen to paper or quill to parchment. And that's what gives us his word. And his word carries weight. It carries authority in our lives. So when Jesus says to do something, our ears should perk up and we should listen. Just like when your mom or your dad say to do something, you should listen. 
when your teacher or your principal say to do something, you should listen. There's an authority there. There's a weight there that is carried with that. It's different than the authority of God, obviously, but there's an authority with it. God is the author of authority. God designed the way the world works. Even the authority that is over us that may not be good, there's a whole lot of politicians that are not good, but they carry authority. Why? Because we live in a country that is ruled by a governing body of people. Right? And because we live in this country, and because as citizens of this country, we are under a certain order of authority. And we're going to get into this down the road. This is what we're building up to, all right? So I'm not going to go too, far, too much farther into that. But do you understand why this carries weight? Why the Word of God carries weight? Which means that every time we are teaching out of this book, every time we are teaching out of the Word of God, it may or may not be politically correct. It may or may not fit with what culture is trying to tell you. Guess what? This may or may not be politically correct. This may torque a couple of you off, and that is okay. God created two genders. The Bible says he created them male and female. Male and female, he created them. You can tell me how many genders there are until you are blue in the face. I'm going to ask you to prove it to me. Not in an inappropriate way. I'm saying, show me the chromosome. Show me how it works. All right? If I'm going to believe the science, you know who created science? God created science. God created the natural order of things. The enemy has tried to twist it. I want you to hear this. The enemy tries to twist it. Man, I can get off on a whole other topic. God created male and female. God created them to come together, become husband and wife, and procreate, and create baby males and females. And on and on and on it goes. That's, he said, multiply, be fruitful, cover the earth, subdue the earth. God put everything into motion. God created gravity. I can go to the top of this church building, to the top of the dome, and say, you tell me gravity exists, but I don't believe it, and this is my truth, and I walk off that dome, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall, and I'm going to hurt myself or kill myself, right? My truth doesn't matter. God's truth matters. God set everything into motion. Gravity, the rotation of the earth, the axis of the earth, there are something like, I can't remember, it's called, like I said, I'm getting in too far in the weeds and I apologize. Ah, uh, oh, man. It's called like fine-tuned theory or something like that. There's like a hundred some things, you know, like the, gravity is one of them, the, the force of gravity, the tilt of the earth, the rotation of the earth, the distance of the earth from the sun, oxygen, the amount of oxygen in our air, I mean the whole whatever, I mean there's like there's like a hundred of these little fine-tuned things that if any one of them were just off a little bit, life would not exist on this planet. Absolutely incredible when you're hearing some of these things, right? God put it all into motion. 
God put it all into motion. He created it, right? So you can have whatever truth you want. Oh my gosh, that makes me so mad when I hear people say, well, this is my truth. This is my truth. I want you to go to your teacher and say, two plus two equals six, that's my truth. Now, in today's world, they'll probably give you an A for that. I have no idea. I are, <laughs> things are so crazy right now. I'm just, I'm going to go on a rant. I apologize. I'm going to stop. I don't care what you think your truth is. The only truth that really matters is God's truth. Because that's the truth that the, the highest authority has given us. That is the truth. The truth. So you are more than welcome. God has created us with free will. You are more than welcome to have your own truth. But if you go through life having your own truth, do not expect that to work out well for you. And just like Zach said at the end of worship, there's coming a day when standing on this truth could get you hurt, fired, or worse. There's a whole lot of people in the world today that do not like this truth, that do not believe in it and do not believe the author of truth. Whoops. Everybody wants to have their own truth. This is my truth. Does that mean I live perfectly by it every day, that I am flawless? Absolutely not. My wife may think so, but absolutely not. I am not flawless. I am not perfect. I mess up just like anybody else and probably more than everybody else. Just like Paul said, of all people, I'm the worst. I need Jesus just as much, if not more, than any of you all do. But knowing that I stand on the, the authority of God's word, on the truth of God's word, helps me to understand that I stand on a firm foundation. Okay? Because you can believe something that culture is telling you today and build your life on it, and tomorrow it's going to change. The Bible refers to that as shifting sands, tossing of the waves. Because every day culture is changing. Every week there's a new truth to be had. But when you stand on the word of God, when you stand on the truth of God's word, that does not change. That is a firm foundation. And with that, I'm going to leave it tonight. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, if there's anything you want to talk to me about, uh, I, am, I am available after service. Feel free to come and chat with me. Um, I know we covered a lot tonight, but I want you to see that God is the ultimate authority. His, this book, the Word of God, was inspired and breathed into existence through the authors. God inspired the authors to put pen to paper and to write what they wrote for us, for our benefit. Why? So we could build our lives on this firm foundation, the truth of God's word. All right? So I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night.